Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And I'm getting a chance today to chat with folks from ESU2 here in our state of Nebraska about an initiative uh, that they have started recently titled Behavior Bites. So these are some YouTube videos that, um, well, I'm going to let them get into the content of that. But we're going to go through everything from the why behind this initiative to understanding what it is that they're creating and sending out there to share uh, and hopefully inspire other educators and then just really think about the message within those uh, and maybe get some tips and tricks along the way. And so with that being said, I'm going to do a very quick introduction around the horn and say today we have Brad Hoffman and Mike Fight, who are both on the ESU2 professional development team, along with Aaron Halsey, who's there as an administrative assistant. And so Mike, Brad, Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Hey, yeah, nice to be here. Thank you. Very excited to have you all on. And so we're going to take some turns uh, and, and you'll start with Brad. Brad, can you give us a little bit of your backstory in education? Uh, yeah. So uh, kind of a strange path in education. I didn't start as a teacher uh, straight out of college. My degree is in sociology. And uh, so I spent 10 years working in mental health, uh, typically with students with social emotional challenges. And then I worked as a para while I got my master's degree and my initial teacher cert. And I spent the last about 15 years as a special education teacher. So um, that's kind of my story in a nutshell. And how long have you been at the ESU? I just got hired in July. So I went from being a very, very happy special education teacher. And um, I took this job where I tuck my shirt in now and um, <laughs> I got a new car. It's really like the lamest midlife crisis a guy could have. <laughs> Uh, I didn't even get a sports car. I got like a little purple Honda Fit, so I got better gas mileage because I drive around all these different school districts. So a lot of big changes for me, but it's been a lot of fun so far. Probably more than you wanted to know, but now you got it. Well, there we go. And yeah, thanks for sharing. And welcome to the ESU Network, I should say too. That's really awesome. Uh, Aaron, will you take a moment to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. My name is Erin Halsey, and I'm an admin assistant. I've been at the ESU for five years. And actually prior, I didn't have any educational experience. I consider this my educational experience. I got an undergrad in marketing and an MBA, and now I'm working on a clinical mental health degree. So a lot of this behavior stuff is really fascinating to me because I just love understanding kids. And hopefully I get to learn a little more through our LMHPs here. So, and all the things we do here is really exciting because I'm self-taught in a lot of like the Adobe suite. So this was another fun project I got to take on and just kind of take it by the reins and learn some new things. Oh, heart for kids, heart for creating <laughs> things. I'm so with you on both of those, Aaron. So uh, thanks for joining our conversation. And uh, we're going to then throw it over to Mike. I've been at the SU2 for this is my seventh year. Previous to that, I worked at Lincoln Public Schools and their behavior programs there. And my first four years at ESU2, I was a teacher at the Behavior School, Independent School, a wonderful level three program that we have at ESU2. While I was still teaching there, doing the de-escalation training and physical intervention training, CPI training, out in a lot of our districts. And then I was able to move about two and a half years ago onto the PD department to focus heavily on well, you know, the increase of wants and needs behaviorally within our schools, I was able to move into that and focus on that full time. And that's that's a real quick version of uh, what I'm doing. 
<laughs> I also bought a new car because I had a pickup before I got on PD and 18 miles per gallon wasn't flying. So the Camry <laughs> hybrid, I'm a big fan of the Camry hybrid right now. <laughs> We're not sponsored by them yet. <laughs> it's a great endorsement though, because let's be honest, if you're working at an ESU, it's oftentimes that you are bouncing around from district to district. And I would know that uh, that's going to get an amen from our colleagues statewide, especially the further west you go. So that being said, thanks for joining us. And uh, Mike, before we started recording today, you were sharing that there was an inclination to do something similar to what Behavior Bites has become. And so can you kind of give us that origin story for this as an effort? Absolutely. It started in my mind, you know, I've heard or seen little examples of these short kind of quick hit videos and I'm kind of fascinated by it. And I think they serve a really good place. So it was about three years ago. I thought, I, I think it'd be a good idea to do some of this work to support the work that we're already doing. I talked to Aaron about it at that time, talked to a couple other people here. And then, you know, that would have been in my first year and man, I'm busy and we're rolling and it kind of got set on the back burner a little bit and almost sort of forgotten but it, it just kind of simmered there a little bit until, well, Brad came on and uh, he's got a pretty good version of how we ended up in the format we're currently in with the parking yeah. lot. Well, yeah. So, so Mike and I, um, so Mike's like my favorite person to like talk shop with, right? Our brains are on a real similar frequency. So we were at one of our schools at a meeting again, very early. I just came out in July. I think this was in August and we were uh, talking in the parking lot after this meeting and we we're like, man, wouldn't it be great if this happened? Or yeah, I wish teachers knew to do this. And we were like going, and I was like, dude, we should take this show on the road and we should just be public speakers and we'll make millions. It'll be awesome. And we kind of shared a good laugh and then realized we'll never make millions. And then Mike said, uh, he goes, you know, I actually have always wanted to do a YouTube series where I gave tips and tricks to teachers. And I was like, well, then let's do it. Okay. You know, and he was like, all right, I'm going to talk to Aaron and we're going to see if we can figure out how to make this work. And he got a hold of Aaron and I was like, oh yeah, I can, I gotcha. I can do whatever you want to do because Mike and I are, um, what's the term Mike idea monkeys. Uh, and so, but it's really nice to have somebody who actually knows how to put things into, into practice and how to actually do things. And so Mike's like, we're going to get Aaron because she's smarter than both of us. And so, <laughs> and that's kind of how that came about. Well, this feels like a natural place to bring Aaron in then and say, so Aaron, there you were going about your day to day and maybe having brainstormed this with Mike a little bit, but all of a sudden Mike and Brad come to you and... So Mike and Brad came to me mostly, I think it was Mike first. I mean, obviously the three years ago, but I remember them coming in and being like, I think we're going to get Brad on this. Brad's a pretty cool dude. He has some pretty good ideas. <laughs> and I agreed. I thought Brad was really neat. And I kind of said, we can go about this way, this way, this way. I'll come up with some logos. I use Canva and I kind of came up with them on the spot when I'm kind of presented with something that like, I feel like I'd be really passionate about and really something creative. I just jump into it. And I think I sent them three different versions. Some of them were very creative and the way behavior bites almost ended up being asteroids, but uh, we ended up with the logo we ended up with. And I actually watched a YouTube video for about a day and a half, trying to figure out how to do the little chomping noises. Cause I'd never learned that before in after effects, but um, once I kind of presented the idea to them, there was no going back. So I had made videos previously for P2T, our career and technical education program in West Point. So I knew it would be possible, but, you know, we didn't have a lot of the right equipment for it. And luckily, 
we found we found some funds to purchase some great audio equipment and tripods and all that stuff. So I love that the quality is now better just because we have better equipment. But filming with them is great. I feel like I get to bounce ideas off of them as much as they bounce ideas off of each other because they're always bringing me into the conversation. So it's really cool. Everyone has a neat perspective and I love being a part of it. So like summarizing that whole thing, what really drove the thing, we had new guy energy going on with Brad, old guy experience, I guess with me, and then like technical expertise, because one thing we all agreed on, we really want these to look pretty sharp. We want them to look good, like like it wasn't recorded in a, in a dusty basement until Aaron brought that. <laughs> well, um, and I think uh, in a microcosm here, this is something that speaks to being in the role that I'm in, I've not been in this for three years yet, but I have just continually inspired by the expertise that we have at our ESUs across the state, right? And there's so many talented people that bring different energies and right? and experiences and wisdom and all the things that, that we're talking about here and more. And so when we get a chance to make spaces for those to be shared more broadly um, and then on demand, like in an initiative like this, it's just really fun. And uh, and so I'm grateful for the opportunity to learn more about that today. And so Mike, I might kind of throw it back to you and ask, let's get to the heart of this, right? So we know we're talking about short videos. We know this this team came together with this idea around behavior bites, but but what is that? Like what kind of content should people expect whenever they you know, go to view one of these videos, really get to maybe the heart of the initiative? Sure. The main purpose is to support the work that we're already doing in the schools. So we, Brad and I do a lot of work around SEBL. We do a lot of work within, you know, I do that CPI training. We do PBS. We do some restorative practice work. So we wanted stuff that has a shared message with the things that we're already going out and doing in schools and hopefully can be used in other schools, not just ESU2 schools, but like they're generic enough that they can be useful with any educator across, you know, the country. So that's Initially, that's what we're really, really looking for. Uh, Brad's got a pretty good spin on, it, you know, exactly what it is. I like his little uh, elevator speech on that one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, okay. So when we decided to cook this up, really what we wanted to go for, the, the key there is, is short. We wanted it to be short. We wanted any advice or tips that we gave people to be actionable, right? All of us as teachers have sat through uh, professional development sessions. God bless all of us who do it, right? But we've all sat through sessions where you sort of get sort of lost in the weeds of like high-minded, theoretical, in a perfect world, this is how this would work. And then you always have those teachers that are in the back of a room with their arms crossed like, man, I've been here for an hour and I could be in my classroom getting stuff ready to go, right? Uh, the whole idea with this was we want this to be useful strategies that if I'm a teacher, I could use it today. So if it's 7.30 in the morning, I could put on a behavior bites video. I watched three to five minutes of, of a, a strategy, like a when-then statement. Like, oh, maybe I, can make, I could use that today. And I didn't waste a lot of time. I watched it. I thought about it. I put it into place or I didn't, right? As opposed to if, if Mike and I are sitting there talking about uh, getting in the weeds about behaviors for a 10, 15, 20-minute video, I'm, I'm probably not going to watch it. Even if like my principal's like, hey, this is really good. You should watch it. I'm probably not going to because if I'm a busy teacher with a lot on my plate, I've got a lot of other stuff that I can and should be doing that in my mind is going to take priority over a professional development video, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so if I'm capturing this right, so we're talking about some practical classroom strategies, ideally as tier one supports and maybe beyond uh, that could be easily implemented tomorrow. Is that fair to say, Mike? 
I would say that they, yeah, that this is stuff that all educators can use. As we continue on with the series, there's going to be stuff that would, I guess, we would almost say it moves a little bit more towards tier two stuff that's focused on the the kids that those just baseline strategies aren't working that well. Well, we will be doing a little bit more of that too, um, but I would say even at tier two, tier three. Uh, this stuff is universal. Like this is useful. The, I use these strategies all the time when I was working with some pretty tough kids in the behavior programs. I use this all the time, even with those kids. So yeah. Brad, did you want to add to that? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, Mike, he has a lot of experience working with students in alternative placements, right? My A lot of my experience in education was in uh, a school setting as a resource teacher. So I worked with a lot of uh, tier three instruction, but I also, between myself and the colleagues that I collaborated with, these are very much across tiers. Even the strategies that we talk about in these videos that in my brain, I'm like, oh, I remember when I used this with a student with a behavior goal in a tier three, like one of our tier three sort of students, even those topics are very effective with, with just regular education students as well. Well, it's great to have a pretty solid foundation of the vision that you all had uh, and the type of conversations that by listening to Behavior Bites that you'll be able to, I mean, I'm speaking to our, our listenership here, access through checking out the the YouTube videos. Now we'll kind of get into a little bit of that, that practical piece. And you alluded to it earlier. As a creator myself, I've also looked into a video content and I do know that you try to hook your audience in the first 30 seconds. Uh, and if you're able to do that, that it does sort of hold attention spans to around three minutes and then it starts to tail off and then five is about. So I think you're in a sweet spot with that from what I've read as well. So I, I, it's awesome that that's kind of the vision for it. Uh, but being able to put that in like a playlist uh, or a series uh, is really great. I'll just take two seconds as a video advocate to say I think about that with classroom instruction as well, that sometimes as a teacher, if you're trying to provide a video lesson, you might put together content that's 20 minutes and you're like, I can't teach this in less than 20 minutes. You absolutely could if you broke it into five different videos, right? So maybe it's the, here's the, the idea and then here's the modeling and here's, and you can kind of like break that larger topic down into smaller bite-sized <laughs> uh, learning opportunities. And so, yeah, let's maybe speak to a little bit of the collaboration that likely went into saying there's all these things we could talk about. How do we start to focus those into episodes and maybe even just in, by topic? So Andrew, I think a good place to start with this, we needed to have a, let's call it a format or a structure that most of the videos were gonna follow. So we needed to establish that first. And we would decide it on an intro, and then we would go into what, so what are we going to be discussing, the why, why this works, why this is important to do. Um, having worked in adult education now for a little bit, that's a, kind of a key bit. If we want uh, adults to really buy into something we're saying, we got to explain to them why we do it, that why is important. And then the last bit is how, how do you implement it? variations on whatever the strategy is. So we try to stick with that exact framework with all of ours, and it kind of guides us through making a pretty concise package. That's interesting. And so I would ask really quickly, could we get an example, maybe not to the depth of an actual episode might go into, but just content wise, explain that, I guess, in that what, why, how format, uh, what's one topic that has been featured and just maybe a, a quick walkthrough. Okay, so uh, one of the first episodes that we did was on when-then statements, right? And so essentially, in, in a nutshell, 
we talk about the first thing we do is we talk about what the strategy is. So it's a strategy that's effective at all three tiers of intervention under the category of limit setting. Um, it's a sentence frame for giving directions and explained very simply when A happens and B can happen. So that's the what. So we talk about that. Then we go into the why. And to Mike's point, I mean, I will beat the drum of rationale, whether it's with adults or with students, to the day I die, right? If I want you to change your behavior, I better have a reason for why you should do it, why it's important to you to do it. So sorry, that's my two cents on that. So the why um, with regarding when then statements, it promotes clarity. It promotes clarity to an irrational mind. That's why it's important, right? It's gonna help reduce the challenging and defiant behaviors that you see. So this is why as a teacher, that's important to me uh, because wouldn't we all like to see reductions in challenging and defiant behaviors? The answer is yeah, right? Uh, and then how, with the how we give specific examples. So if I'm in this situation, I might say something to the students that, sa that says, something to the effect of when you finish your math work, then you can use the iPad or first stand in line order and then we'll walk to recess. Or Mike Mike uses this one to great effect and it's awesome. Uh, it's a great behavior one. When your voice matches mine, then we can have a conversation. So we very quickly, that's how we, this is what the strategy is. This is why it's important to you as a teacher. This is how you can use it. And, and again, we want it to be actionable. We want people, we want teachers to be able to see that and be like, oh, okay, cool. And then go do it. So then what would you say is one thing that you've learned since actually getting started that was maybe unexpected or a revelation or a, yeah, I, I feel like that's the next part of this, right, too, is that, okay, here's our format. This is what we're going to do. And then you start to do the creation thing. And there's always that, yeah, people can't see, but there's reactions going on right now. So this is, we're on a good topic, I think. I really want to jump on this very short, but uh, making a four-minute video takes a brutally long amount of time. Like, it it really does. And to make sure that it, the content is rich and deep and covers everything that we want and boiling it down into four minutes. And it, it's just got to be good. You know, uh, if it was 20 minutes where we could just talk and do this, uh, that would be a, so much easier than trying to boil things down into four minutes. That to me has been a big, big shot. Um, yes. I mean, not in the way that makes it, no, <laughs> that made it sound like, oh man, yeah, Mike and Brad just take up so much time. It's actually interesting though, because I feel like most of our production days are a lot of conversations and how the video is going to be recorded. And then maybe actual 10 to 15 minutes of recording because you know we try to do around three to five minutes per video. And I think that I'm gonna give Mike and Brad more credit. I think the more comfortable they're getting, the less takes we have, which I mean, I think it's nice because I feel like these videos come off a little bit as a conversation, which makes it more inviting. Um, Mike, Mike has come into my office on several occasions, <laughs> um, saying, you know, do you think it's doing okay? Do you think like people are liking it? Do you think they're enjoying it? And I was happy when we first started getting views in general, but now I think our intro video has like over 235 views, which I thought was really good for an intro video. Our initial YouTube channel had no subscribers because we weren't really using it. And now it has 58, which I think in a short amount of time, and we started releasing around the Christmas break. So, you know, teachers are probably a little less likely to implement, which makes sense because, you know, it's the end of the semester. You're just kind of wrapping things up. But I mean, even the support they've gotten outside of the views and impressions we've gotten through social media, like I know that Mike and Brad have told me they've had emails from teachers being like, that was amazing. Or, you know, we want you to come out and teach some of this stuff. And even some critical feedback that like, oh, we weren't as into that one, but then another school was 
very much into that one. And so I think it goes to show, though, that people are watching them and it's just like a good feeling knowing people are enjoying your work. Yeah, and I would say, too, as a creator, I, I think it's tempting sometimes to hear about, I don't know, I have an 11-year-old and an 8-year-old, and so I know about all their YouTube stars that they follow, right, and the number of subscribers and all these things and views, and uh, I learned pretty early on with this podcast, too, is I'm always trying to get sharper in this space, you know, and, and doing what we can to to just be effective, right, like to just have honest conversations with people that are doing great work and we're not trying to pitch anything other than just hopefully something that's positive and inspirational and helps us be better together uh, and enhance what we're doing. And one of the things I came across was that, you know what, just, just find your niche and just be there and be consistent and honest and, and, you know, doesn't ever have to reach 7 billion, <laughs> like, right. so whatever number you want to dream up, but uh, just being active and authentic in that space for, and for the 285 people you, that you've already impacted with one video that you put out there. Uh, and as it starts to grow over time, it is worth the investment, right? When you start to see those returns, I don't, Brad, sorry, I'm kind of, I, I jumped out of order, but Aaron, I'm with you. That speaks to me as well. That's okay. Uh, first of all, I am just convinced that anytime anybody gets to see my face on a screen, it's going to make their day better. So I don't have any insecurities about that. I'm like, oh, <laughs> You guys all like to see uh, middle-aged bald men, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, whole other niche for that. <laughs> uh, in all, in all seriousness, though, so one of the one of the challenges, and I mean, anybody who's known me for five minutes will know that I'm a talker, and it's really hard to get me to shut up. And so, big challenge boiling what we have to say down to that three to five minute mark, uh, because not only do I always have a lot to say, but Mike has a ton to say as well. And as far as something that was a surprise, it's been really cool to me. You know, if you're a teacher, if you're a real good teacher, one of the things that makes you a good teacher is that swagger. Good teachers have got swagger and you've got confidence. And so if you think about all the best teachers that you've seen, they can walk into a room and they can command a crowd, right? And because those people tend to be pretty self-assured, sometimes they don't take feedback great, you know, and that's sort of like the double-edged sword of having a really strong educator is sometimes getting that feedback can be hard. So it's been really a, a fun experience to take somebody like Mike, who is also a really confident, strong educator with a lot of strong opinions. And even though he and I agree on most things, we don't, we don't agree on everything. So in this like planning process that we go through, it's like, if you ever seen the movie, a beautiful mind, right? So we've got a whiteboard with all these just like ideas all over the place and we're, and we're hashing it out. And Michael say like, well, I think blah, 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 blah. And I'll say, really? Cause I actually think this, and we'll kind of look at each other for a minute and be like, Hmm. And then we kind of, but we work it out. And so that collaborative process has made, I think it's made what we put out stronger than it would have been if any one of us was doing it by ourselves. And then last thing I'll say is that then on top of that, Aaron's presence is so grounding and where Mike and I can tend to like get lost in the weeds or just sort of like go off on tangents and ramble. Aaron's so good about being, helping us be reflective and saying, you know, this is what you guys have been saying during this time, but actually earlier you guys were talking about this. And is this really what you're trying to say? And Mike and I'll be like, oh, dang, yeah, geez, thanks. So it's a really cool 
collaborative process that I didn't expect when I, when I, when we started this up. So it's been, it's been really cool. Like the natural checks and balances and a very supportive and relaxed atmosphere has been great for me. Well, it makes me think of two quick points. There was a time when I was still in the classroom where we started to make video content as a team. Uh, and so what you shared there really resonated with me in the sense that uh, we came together and were better instructionally and in our own understanding of the things that we already knew, right? But 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 like it enhanced it because of the think tank that went into putting together something that was that concise, right? And so I guess that's what I'm going to uh, pivot to. So it's it's almost kind of two parts of the same question then is that I always felt like when I was able to put video content together ahead of actually delivering that in class, I was all the sharper, all the more knowledgeable and all the more concise when I got in front of the students. And so a question I would have is, do you feel like there's been a, a little bit of a, like I sometimes call it like a beautiful reciprocity, right? That, that what you've done in the field has informed your ability and conversations that you bring to the YouTube space, but that the process of sharing it in that medium, has it spoken to your in-person and shaped that in any way? Absolutely. And I think you hit on the uh, the exact thing, like having to practice syncing things into a four minute format. I think it's made me more concise when I am out in schools. And we all kind of uh, like, I think you'd probably agree with us, Andrew, but we all kind of have this sense of like, staff development efforts should be it should be dense, like they should be, you know, there shouldn't be a lot of wasted time. We should, the teacher's time is super valuable, which is one of the reasons we wanted to keep it to that three to five minutes. But uh, same thing goes when we're in person. I get one hour, one hour with these teachers. They're giving me an hour to work with them. That's precious. And I need to be um, respectful of that. And so it 100% has it influenced the way that that I approach it. Um, and we've gotten some comments, although the videos will get sent out and then people ask for clarity on it or want to learn more about it. So it had really has fed into some of the other work that we do, or that they'll see that the connection to the videos we're doing to some other trainings or some other, you know, behavior coaching that we're doing with them. Um, at least at this point early on, th there's a ton of that connection stuff going on. Pretty satisfying. I but couldn't have said it better. So I totally agree. <laughs> They're going to say what Brad said that sometimes we don't agree. I just say, Brad, when you agree with me, then we can continue this conversation. So that's a really good use for that when-then concept. <laughs> when you acknowledge that I'm right, then we can move on. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Brad mentioned it before already. Like the conciseness of it is just like, I really watch the videos and listen to what's being said. And um, obviously, like usually when I'm watching, we kind of came up with a system where I'll hold up like a finger every time a minute goes by. So they kind of know where they are, particularly in the first take, because usually first take is just getting all the information out there. And then the second and third is kind of like deciding what was important and, um, you know, what isn't. And there are times where there were things that I can't even remember what video it was, but I was like, is this something we should include in like a separate video? Because we were getting to like seven minutes. And I was like, and if it's something that we could, then yeah, but I didn't, because I don't know the whole context of all of it. You know, I don't want to like step on their toes, but I also know the standard they're looking for. And so I like to also try to meet that standard in feedback. And that's very, that's very helpful. Like I said, you know, anytime you're passionate about something, 
you could just go on and on and on about it. Sort of forgetting that unless you're also super into that, you don't need all of those details. So uh, kind of going back to what I said before, Aaron has helped us to streamline this really well. And sometimes it's, you're trying to see, uh, you know, how much weight can I fit in this hot air balloon? Because you got to make some cuts somewhere, you know? So sometimes we're like chucking stuff overboard for the sake of like, all right, let's streamline it down. And that's one of the reasons why at the end of every video we talk about if you have questions or um, you want clarity uh, to let us know because we'd love to expand on it because it is hard to take a complex topic like shaping student behavior and condense that into three to five minutes. Well, it's uh, apropos to be talking about this as we uh, are approaching the 30 minute mark of our conversation, at which point, <laughs> right, that, that we, uh, uh, and I say it every week, yeah, 30 minutes goes goes really quickly. And so, you know, I, I'm really grateful that we've had this space to be able to hear why you, you all felt it was uh, something that you wanted to invest your time, efforts, and collaborative energy into uh, the messy process that is innovation and stepping into new experiences and spaces, uh, and then actual like production of that. And you know, hopefully, it's helped others and and helped you each grow individually and as a team, right? And so, I love really what the conversations capture up to this point, and would like to just maybe end with a little bit of a window into. We tend to finish most of the episodes with a parting message or a call to action. And so I'm able to take turns and get that maybe from, from each of you as far as what you would leave people with as they think about the work that you just shared. Well, I think there's a lot of pressure in going last, so I'm going to go first. So <laughs> I think that's a good place for me to be. Overall, on the note, like this uh, kind of commonality of all the videos we've done and, and the future videos are going to be similar. We're not talking about stuff that requires a ton of prep. It has to do with how you use your voice, your word choice, being deliberate with your words, remaining calm and consistent. Those things that requires a bit of a mind shift, but they're incredibly powerful when working with behavioral challenges. Like we're not talking about stuff that requires a laminator and a chart. And we're talking about things that we're just doing with our bodies and our language and the way that we're, you know, communicating. And that's a hugely impactful. And I, I don't want to say easy, but it doesn't require a ton of outside prep to do those types of things. All kids have the ability to succeed, right? They just need to be given the opportunity to succeed. And some kids just struggle more than others. And so I think that having these videos to supplement, you know, when you have a kid who is struggling or you're struggling with that kid, these can just be a quick and easy way to, you know, remind yourself this kid is just struggling and he just needs a little extra help. So, uh, you know, in contrast to Mike, so I've got a big mouth, so I like to get the last word in. Uh, so this works out really well, Mike. Uh <laughs> I tend to refer to myself when I talk about sort of my like testimonial, when I talk with teachers, uh, I call myself a recovering yeller. And so I've got a pretty loud voice and there was definitely a point in my career where I was like, pretty like, you will do this. You will fall in kind of like that drill sergeant approach. And so without getting into that, I came to the realization that having a positive mindset when we work with our students, and with our colleagues, that's going to give us the, the the biggest impact that's going to have the most impact and you're still going to be able to live with yourself and go to sleep at night. And so that was sort of a, a change that I made in myself as a teacher. And so for me, it's the, the idea that a lot of these strategies that we talk about, all of these strategies that we talk about, we talk about high expectations, holding students accountable, right? Expecting good things from our students and then helping them to get there. And accountability and high expectations 
aren't or shouldn't be considered negative approaches, right? Supporting a student with their behavior in class doesn't have to be them being in trouble or them being punished or you coming down on them. And so the whole idea for me behind it is changing our mindset to a more positive place so that we can feel good about ourselves and our kids can feel good about themselves, even though life is messy. So that's kind of where I'm at. Wow. So when we take our collective talents, right, uh, and expertise and teamwork and all those things and share that out, even in spaces where maybe I'll phrase it this way, and continually look for new opportunities to grow and share that message with others, then it becomes transformative (laughs) outside of what you might have had in your immediate sphere of influence uh, <laughs> prior to, to something uh, that holds students accountable, right? That, that leads to uh, high expectations and a better classroom environment. Uh, and is, uh, I think, great for, I would say, even the individual educators own health and wellness when those behaviors are more aligned. And then uh, certainly for our students who we know really need that. And so thank you all for your advocacy in this space. Uh, it's been great getting the chance to learn from you today. And I've had a chance to watch a number of the videos uh, over the course of preparation for today's conversation. And so I would highly recommend those to others. Uh, and so make sure that you check those out. Would someone like to maybe point us to where they can find these? You can find the YouTube videos at the Educational Service Unit 2 YouTube channel. And that's exactly what it's titled. So Um, We also release them on Facebook every Monday. We haven't started that up again since uh, we stopped in December, but we will be starting again in February. So, And we'll make sure that you're, uh, yeah, following the Facebook page and getting a chance to subscribe on YouTube and learn a little bit more uh, in three to five minute increments. (laughs) Yes. So, uh, which I absolutely love. So thank you all for being on the pod today and look forward to seeing all your future episodes. Thanks a lot, Andrew. We appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Andrew. This was great.